This is from the book of Joshua, chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Thanks, Tom. Everybody thank Tom Rousey. Read the scripture. How'd you like that line? You will be successful wherever you go. That's a bold statement. Did you catch that? You will be successful wherever you go. You'll be successful and prosperous. We're starting a brand new series day called A Winning Plan. And the title of the message is... Are you ready for success? And what's really cool about the book of Joshua is it gives us like this roadmap. As you go through it, it gives you this roadmap of really important things to think about that you have to put in place in your life that will help you have a winning plan and be successful. So it is this beautiful combination of spirituality and practicality, and it brings spirituality and practicality together to form a winning plan. It's, it, it's really awesome. So let, let's just catch up to Joshua and the people that he's leading just real quick and tell you why the bridge is on the stage, okay? All right, so here we go. So famous story, everybody. Charlton Heston told the story, for those of you old enough to remember it, or Prince of Egypt, the animation of this. I think there's been a recent one, too. Who was in the recent one? Can't remember the name. It didn't do well in theaters. Christian Bale. Okay, very good. All right, so they're in Egypt. All the despair of Egypt, and God just sovereignly sets them free from the despair of Egypt. And then they, they go and they get up right to the promised land, and, and they stop, and they don't actually cross over. And they wander, they wander around in the desert for 40 years. They settle. So the desert represents like complacency. What does the promised land represent? I only have a couple things for you to write down on the back of the bulletin today, but, and then the rest of it, you're going you're gonna to do a lot of your own writing in just a few moments, okay? But here's what's really important. We need to understand, what, so what's, what's the promised land? What's it represent? The promised land over here that they are very intentional about having to cross over, it represents you and I becoming everything that God created us to be. That's the promised land. It represents you reaching your full potential your full God-given potential in God, what God wants you to do and be. Where does God, okay, right? So the promised land is over here. I got to be intentional about crossing this bridge, very sturdy bridge. I've got to be intentional about crossing the bridge to move over here this way to become everything that God wants me to be. 
it says everywhere you place your foot. Now, I've been in Israel. It's, it's not really easy to place your foot everywhere in that country. Uh, I, I think that uh, elevation-wise, we, we, when we were there a couple years ago, about 30 floors every day was the elevation that we did. And we walked like six miles, and it's hot, and it's a desert, and you get exhausted. We were there in February, and it still can be really hot. So it's a tough place. So there, there's some energy that you have to put out to do it. But here's the starting thing. We've got to be willing and intentional about putting together the spirituality and the practicality to cross over to become everything that God wants us to be and to reach our full potential in Jesus Christ. Have to do that. And what they were doing up until this point for 40 years is they were settling for the unrealized potential, the unrealized potential that they could have had in the promised land. So each week I want to give you just one thing, one thing that's a part of the plan that we absolutely have to have and one thing that's an enemy. So what do we have to have? Step number one. There's five steps to this. Five steps. We're only doing step one today. Step one is passion. We have to be passionate. Now, along with passion, there's always an enemy. And here comes the enemy now. All right? Enemy. And the enemy, everybody, is always apathy. The wilderness is always described as complacency. Like Jesus says, I wish that you were hot, I wish that you were cold, but you're lukewarm. So in our relationship with God, this is always an enemy. So now listen, I know some of you are massive Star Wars fans and some of you are conflicted about, oh, Darth Vader and Luke's dad, blah, blah, blah. Okay, could you put all that aside? Can you turn that off for a minute? Can we just say that because Star Wars number 55 just came out, okay, that, that he, this is just the enemy, is that okay? Okay. Okay, is that okay? I know that's difficult, and I grapple with it myself. But there you go. Passion. You gotta have passion, everybody. You gotta start 2016 with passion in your heart. I, a German philosopher, this is what it is, a famous quote. They says here, nothing great in the world has ever been accomplished without passion. You know who originated it really? Is God. God. We need passion. And so what we see in the opening verses of the book of Joshua is God trying to get a hold of Joshua. This great leader says, you know what? You've got to be filled with passion. You've got to be filled with optimism. And you've got to lead people in that. And so what we're going to do this morning is we are going to break all this down. The promised land represents everything that God created you to be. There's a plan for you. Step one is we have to have passion. And we have to know this. The enemy is always going to be complacency or apathy before us. Where does God want to take you in 2016? Where exactly? What's over there? Do you know what's over there? If we haven't taken time to think about what's over there, we're right. If we're shooting at nothing, we'll probably hit what? Nothing. Have we thought about where we're headed? Have we thought about where God wants to take us. That is what this series in the book of Joshua is really all about. It's one of the most important books of all the Bible. God does not want us to settle for the unrealized potential of our own promised land. That's where we need to head. So, am I passionate enough 
to leave the stuff behind in the wilderness in order to cross the bridge. I want to talk about three things this morning. Am I passionate enough to leave some attitudes behind? They're going to keep me on this side of the bridge. Am I passionate enough to leave some attitudes behind, some relationships behind, and some habits behind? Do I have enough passion to do that so that I could cross over to the other side? So let's start with attitudes real quick. Some of you here this morning have already lost the fight. We're three days into the new year, and you're already done. It's over. Toast. Right? Someone's like, oh, man, you know, New Year's resolutions don't work. Plans don't work. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about a sermon at the beginning of 2016. It just doesn't work. Right? You're not filled with passion. You're filled with pessimism. And some of us, it's already over. It's already a done deal. It's decided. I know this. Why? Because, well, let me show you a picture. Let's look at this picture. Who are these people? people. They're not really people, but they're something. All right, so that's Winnie the Pooh and then uh, Tigger and Eeyore. Okay, so Tigger. Tigger is full of optimism, full of passion, excited, right? Full of life. That's my wife. God just made her that way. That's the way she is. She's filled with optimism. She's always positive. She's always upbeat. Who am I? I'm Eeyore. Which she reminds me all the time. It's just the way that God made me. I am. Some of you are just like me. It's the way. And I could say, you know what? It's just the way God made me. But the problem is, if I don't overcome that and at least try, if I don't try to change my attitude, I'm going to end up settling for the wilderness. I'm going to miss out on all the potential. And so I've got to be willing to change my attitude. I've got to be willing to be positive. Faith, by its very nature, is positive. It's not pessimistic. It's optimistic. This is what faith is. God is moving us. And so God is speaking to Joshua here. Tom read it seconds ago. Anytime you see something in the Bible where you see it one, two, three times, like back to back to back, in four verses, three times, in four verses, three times, God says, be very strong and courageous. You know what that means? God is trying to fire up Joshua, his quarterback, right? God is like, let's go, Joshua. It's like, God here is like a great coach. He's like Phil Jackson, the Zen master, trying to fire his troops up, Okay. He's like Jay Gruden trying to fire up Kirk Cousins as they beat the Dallas Cowboys. They right? You know what I'm saying? Let's get fired up. Let's go. And this is, what, he's, so this is what it means. So this should grab your attention when you read Joshua. You, you have to understand in Joshua chapter 1, the whole thing starts out with passion. God says, you've got to be fired up about this because unless you are, you won't accomplish and you won't cross over. Now, is this true? Is this true? Is this true? Okay, new scientific research shows us this. Here's what I love about data. Here's what I love about science. Here's what I love about research. Brand new scientific research tells us this. You are 31% better if you're positive, not negative. Here's what scientific research has shown us in the last few years. Your potential is 31% greater if you're positive, not pessimistic. That you're more creative, you're more energized, you're more intelligent, actually. If you're positive, not pessimistic. So there you go. Right off the bat, you want to have a 2016 that's 31% greater than science says this about you. Science, scientific research says this about you. And God the whole time is shaking his head. Yeah, this is what I've been saying all along. So I've been saying all along. This is what is about. This is what faith is about, right? That to be positive and filled with passion and not pessimism. And so we don't need to derail our hopes 
and God's plans for our lives and moving over into the promised land right at the start of it because you know what? I'm just not going to change my attitude. I'm an Eeyore and nobody's changing me. We've got to be willing, I have to be willing to change a little bit and change my attitude where much more apathy is always the enemy. It's always the enemy in our lives because apathy says settle for the wilderness. And some of us this morning, we're debating about that. Like in your mind, you're like, um, do I really want to do that? Do I really want to go through the effort of crossing over into the promised land? Because it's going to take some effort to change this attitude. And what God is saying in Joshua chapter one, he's saying, do it, do it, do it. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Can you be strong and courageous? Are you willing to be strong and courageous? Will you not wilt? Will you stand up and be strong and courageous and be fired up and move forward into what God wants for you? There's the first thing. Attitude. Here's the second thing. Relationships. Relationships. You know what I think is so cool about the opening verses of the book of Joshua? This is so awesome. Everybody think about this for a second. Moses. If you're not familiar with Moses, Moses is like a superhero in the Bible. I mean, Moses is incredible. Years ago, I read something about Michael, Michael Jordan. At the end of one of Michael Jordan's games... Michael Jordan did this phenomenal thing in a game and saved the game, blah, 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 right? And so one of the sports writers writes, he says, it's like having God on your team. All right, well, Moses is like Michael Jordan to Joshua and the rest of the people that he's leading. This is huge, right? And so the very first thing we read, God, God speaks to Joshua at the beginning of Joshua, verse number two. He says, here's God's first words. Ready? Moses is dead. How do you feel about that? Someone's like... We're thinking to ourselves, oh man, unless I have this relationship, unless I have this thing in my life, unless I have this thing or this person or whatever, life is just not going not to happen. not going to be good. It's going to be bad. I got to have this. I got to have this job. I got to have this person. I've got to have this thing. I got to have this whatever. Unless I have, it's not going to be good. So what Joshua says, I got to have Moses. There's no way I'm going to the promised land without Moses. And so God says, Moses is dead, buddy. And for some of us, we need to leave some relationships behind. Like if we don't leave some relationships behind, we will never go into the promised land. We'll stay right here with that relationship. Are we passionate enough? Passionate people are willing to do anything. Are you passionate enough to leave some relationships behind and move forward? Look, that relationship's dead. Everybody around you knows the relationship's dead. Everybody around you knows it's bad for you. You're the only person who doesn't believe it. Some of you are trying out for a part in Weekend at Bernie's, and you need to give it up. Now, for those of you, for those of you, for those of you who don't, don't know what weekend, you look at the person who's smiling around and say, what is, what's, that, what's that movie, Weekend in Burns? And they'll explain to you, quit dragging that dead relationship around with you. It's over. That relationship is here in the wandering wilderness. And God says, leave it behind and move forward. Prayer is an interesting thing, everybody. We pray about things and we pray about relationships. And we're like, oh God, why aren't you, you know... Some of us, we, it's like the girl praying for the prom day. Oh, God, please, please, let him, let him ask me out, God, right? What's happening over in the other room? In the other room, there's a mama. She's over there. Oh, please, God, don't let him invite her out to the prom. Please don't let her. And she's over here. He never invites out. And she's crying, God, why would you let me down? And in the next room over, oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, right? Some of us need to leave some relationships behind because they're keeping us away from all of our potential. Now, let's have our guy David back there. Everybody say, hi, David. David's going to help us out. All right, play it, David. Let's see. Okay, here we go. 
Some of you are very upset because they're no longer calling you on your cell phone. Take your cell phones out, everybody. Take your cell phones out. Some of you are very upset, okay? God is very happy that they're no longer calling you on the cell phone. Okay, what you need to do is take your cell... You're not passionate enough. No, you're taking your cell phones out. Get some passion in you. You need to delete some contacts right now off of your cell phone. Go ahead, delete them. Get some passion. Go ahead and delete that. You're hanging on to, well, maybe. No, no, quit dragging that dead body around with you. That, that relationship is over here. Where you want to go is you want to go over here. And so you're going to have to leave that relationship behind. Quit dragging that dead body around. Moses is dead. Joshua, Moses is dead. It's time to move forward in everything that God has for you. God, listen, everybody. God spends much of his time trying to protect us from ourselves so that when we get older, we won't regret decisions that we've made. God spends much of his time trying to protect us from ourselves so that when we get older, we won't regret decisions that we have made. Leave that relationship behind. Last thing, habits. Habits. What habits are keeping you on that side of the bridge? What habits are working against you? I'll think this myself. People will say this to me. You know, these goals and these plans, they don't work. I've tried to catch fire spiritually. It just doesn't happen for me. I've tried to get out of debt. It just doesn't happen for me. It's just not working. I tried to do something in my career. You know, it just doesn't work. Why bother? Why be passionate? And what I find a lot of times the common denominator in my own life is I want it to change, but I don't change any of my habits. And I'm wondering, why, why is this not changing? But I don't change any of my habits. And so what passion says is I'm willing to change everything, and pessimism says I'm not willing to change anything. So the question is, are you passionate enough? I mean, you're, you're talking about it, and you're talking about it to your friends, and you're talking about your family, and you're, and you're crying, just like I have many times in my life. But here's the real question. You're upset. You're asking God to change it but are you willing to actually change some habits yourself? Because those habits, those habits that you have, unless you're willing to change them, they're keeping you on this side of the bridge and you've got to get to that side of the bridge because that's where the promised land is. If you're passionate enough, you'll be willing to change everything. If you're filled with pessimism, you're not going to change anything or you'll just change some things, but you're not going to change enough to more move across. And so passion says, you know what? I'll change my attitude. I'll change my relationships and I'll change my habits. That's what passionate people do. It moves us forward. Who, who are winners in life? You know what's great is that we have somebody who's actually going to help us understand who a winner is. So Jack Welsh, everybody. There he is. All right? You all know who he is? No, you don't. Okay. Uh, considered one of the greatest CEOs of all time, GE. Warren Buffett, unless your eyes are really good, you can't read it, but on this book that he wrote called Winning, Warren Buffett puts in a quote right there, it says, this is the last management book you'll ever need to read. So if you're in leadership or you're in management, that's what he says. I read the book years ago. It is fantastic. Particularly, he talks about the type of people you hire. Particularly, he talks about how do you know, how do you figure out, how do you filter through people who are winners and people who are not winners. I wish I would have read this book 25 or 30 years ago. He, in this book, says you're looking for four E's and one P. Four E's and one P. Now, what grabbed my attention is what these five things are all either directly or indirectly saying the exact same thing. Let's look at them. The person needs to have energy, they need to be able to energize, they need to have edge, they need to be able to execute, they need to have passion. That's the passion. And he says in the point about passion, he says, somebody with passion is like a ball of 
energy. Actually, all five of these things loop around to the same exact thing. They're all either directly or indirectly all about passion. I wish I'd have read it 20 years ago. I hired somebody 20 years ago in a role that I was in. The person was uber talented, very, very talented, but you know what they lacked? Passion. They had no energy. They could do a lot of stuff. They just didn't do anything because they had no passion. You can teach talent, you can teach skills, but you can't teach passion. Somebody's got to be have to have a desire to have passion. You'll help yourself out a lot if you're and you're in a role where you actually have to hire people or choose people for a team. Look for people with passion. Look for the person who's wearing their jersey, their redskin jersey, right, to to work, and they're just jumping up and down. All right, you want to get people with passion. Very, very helpful. This is what he says. All right. Now, two things I want to say about passion. Here's two habits that winners, people who are passionate, seem to employ in their life. Let's go to Woody Allen. Woody Allen's going to help us out with this one. Okay. Woody Allen says 80% of success is just showing up. 80% of success is just showing up. This is step one. It's a five-step plan in Joshua that God gives us. Okay. For some of you, passion is easy. For some of you, passion is hard. I got to let you know there's going to be one step in this plan, at least one step in the plan. It's going to be really difficult to do. Are you willing to show up all five Sundays in January to hear all five steps in the plan? Can you show up 80% of success? Can you show up and can you stick with it? Because people who are passionate, they stick with it. How many of us, we said, oh, I'm going to do this in 2016. In five days in, it's over right? And this is why God says you've got to have a lot of passion because he's leading Joshua and all these rights. If you're passionate enough, you'll keep going. You won't do step one and say, well, let's forget that, right? You'll move on across. You'll move on across the bridge. So 80% of success, according to Woody Allen, not God, 80% of success is just showing up. The question is, a person who is passionate, a person who is a winner, a person who has that drive, who puts their faith in God, God says, here's the reason, actually, Here's the reason why you can be passionate. Here's the reason why you can be strong and courageous. God says, I'm with you. There's one thing I want to know throughout this entire series and actually this entire rest of the year. There are times when you feel like God is with you. There's times when you feel like God isn't with you. But here's what God's promise to you is. God says, whether you feel me or you don't feel me, here's my promise to you. I am with you. In a few moments, you're going to take those bulletins. You're going to do something very special with those bulletins. And here's what you need to know. God is with you. God is with you. He's with you. First step is to stick with it and to show up. This is only step one. It's not step two, three, four, and five. This is only step one. Passion. Will you stick with it? Now, the second one is this. I've got to do something now that makes me very, very uncomfortable. You see why in a second. Go ahead, David. Let's take a look. Who is that person? Yes. This makes me very uncomfortable because he played for who? And, and where, 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 where is uh, the devil's team right now? In the division. They're down in the cellar, right? And Redskins are... Yes. Very good. Just want to make that clear. But Emmett Smith said something extraordinarily important in his NFL induction speech. NFL Hall of Fame induction speech is fantastic, so I couldn't... It, it hurts me, but it's a sign that I'm growing in grace, that I'm allowing them in. I want to read you an excerpt of the speech. This is super important, everybody. This has so much to do. Please don't miss this point that I'm going to end on. This has so much to do with the winning plan. This has so much to do with what God wants you to do. I can guarantee you, it's all over the pages of his word, particularly in the book of Joshua. Ready? This is what he says at the beginning. He says, I want to thank you. I want to thank you to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for blessing me to play the sport I've dearly loved for almost three decades. Then later in the speech, that's how he begins the speech. 
Later in the speech, he says, for example, I, here it comes, I wrote down my goals and how I was going to achieve them because Dwight Thomas, his high school football coach, because Dwight Thomas used to tell us, it's only a dream until you write it down. It's only a dream until you write it down. I got to pause on that one. Everybody, this is super important. You're going to see how important in just a second. It's only a dream until I write it down. Would you please say that with me for emphasis sake? Ready? One, two, three. It's only a dream until you write it down. Passionate people write things down. He continues on. And then it becomes a goal. By the time I was 20, I wrote, I want to play in the Super Bowl, be the MVP, become the all-time leading rusher, and finish college because I promised my mother I would. I've got to stop right here because in a minute, this is going to really come into play. In a minute, this is going to really come into play, all right? God's promised land for you, right? Wherever God has gifted you, it has a lot to do with God's will for you. So he wrote, he just wasn't any random kid, Right in high school, writing down, I want to be the MVP of the Super Bowl. It wasn't like he was the slowest kid in school, right? Hey, I want to lead the league in rushing. He was really gifted as a fast runner. Are you are, are you tracking with me? In a moment, this is going to be really important. Wherever God is gifted, he was uber talented that way. But he had to do this next step. Where are you talented? You have a talent. You have a gift. It's a God given gift. You have a God given gift. Don't take your gift and say, I won't do that. I want to go in an opposite direction. I just need you to know that because it's going to be important in just a second. He finished, over the course of my career, all of those things came to pass. Look how he ends. And I know that writing down my goals was an essential strategy. I want to ask you something. Is that biblical? Is it biblical? Does God want you to be so passionate that you're willing to actually write things down today? Habakkuk 2.2, God says, write the vision. Have you ever written the vision? First of all, have you thought about where you're going in 2016, where God wants to take you, what God wants to do in your life? Number two, are you willing to write it down? Do you have enough passion in your heart to write things down? I've noticed something about passionate people, they write things down. I've noticed something about people who are winners, they write things down. I have people come into my office all the time, we'll have a conversation. And sometimes in the midst of that conversation, not something that I've said, maybe it's something they said, but whatever in the exchange, something really important comes out. And you know what I notice? There are certain people who say, whoa, 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 John, whoa, what's that? can you give me a piece of paper and pen? I've got to write this down. And I always say the same thing. I say to myself, I say, oh my gosh, this guy's a winner. This girl's a winner. They're a winner. They're writing it down. That's very biblical. God says, write the vision down. Do you have enough passion in your heart this morning that you're actually willing to write things down? So if you'll take your bulletin, we're going to play some music. We still got nine minutes to go in the service. We're going to give the next two minutes to doing something that for some of you is going to change your life. And then I want to tell you a story. I want you to flip that bulletin over to all that blank space, and I want you to think big picture. Where does God want to take you in 2016? With God's help, everybody, with God's help, what do you want to accomplish in 2016? With God's help, what's going to happen in 2016? What's the vision? What's the promised land? Where are you going to go? You don't have to write all the minutiae now. You can do that later. Writing is a really big thing in the book of Joshua. I'd like you to take this the next two minutes while we play some music and just think, God, where is 2016 going? With God's help, what will you do? Okay, for some of you, you're still writing. Feel free to continue on writing. I don't want to uh, disrupt that, so feel free to keep going. Um, as we conclude this service, I just want to tell you a brief story, okay? January of 2015, one year ago, basically today, one year ago, basically today, 
when everybody entered in here, we had walls up. We had, of course, we had walls up. We had other walls that we put up. And we called them, before I die, one, two, dot, dot, dot. And we put them up, and they looked something similar to this right here. And people wrote what they wanted to do. And I want to tell you a story of somebody who one year ago did that. They were so passionate. They were so moved that they decided, you know what? I'm going to write the vision down. I'm going to write this vision down, even though I don't see any way how this is going to come to pass. I'm going to write this vision down. Her name was Alina Hawang, and her and her husband, Jim, and they have two kids, and they were here one year ago. Alina was born in Korea. Her mother did not have a college education. Her father did. Because of this, her father's mother, so her grandmother, put a lot of pressure on her son to divorce Alina's mom. He didn't do it for about a year, but after a year, she wore him down. She couldn't take it anymore. She just felt that Alina's mom wasn't good enough for her. And so they separated, and Alina went with her dad and was removed from her mother. And they would only allow her mom to see her once or twice a year, and they said, you have to call her aunt, though Alina knew this was really her mom. And the whole time, her mom would just cry in tears, and her mom would always say the same thing, please don't ever forget me. In tears, please don't ever forget me. When Alina was eight, her dad and now her stepmom decided to move to the United States of America. Alina had a biological sibling who was her stepmom's biological child, and that child was always preferred, and Alina was always abused emotionally, verbally, and even physically. Alina never had a birthday party. She was always pushed down as the stepchild, and nobody stepped in, and the dad didn't have enough strength again to stand up and to do anything about it. And so this just went on. It was a terrible thing. Lena gets older. She eventually meets Jim Huang and they get married. They had their first child about five years ago. And when she had her first child, something just erupted in her so strong. She said, I've got to meet my mother. And so a dream was born in her heart. It was really powerful. I want, want to, want to meet my mom. And so she's been thinking about it. She's been praying about it. Jim knew about it, knew it was a dream. And so one year ago, they walked into this auditorium and they saw the walls up. And she wrote down, I want to meet my mom. She didn't know this. I didn't know it. I didn't know who put it there. The only person knew it was her and her husband, Jim. And he didn't see her write it. But when he heard me read it the very next Sunday, randomly read it, though I didn't know who write it, he couldn't believe it. He knew his wife had put that up there. They were so passionate about this after writing this thing that it was a dream and now it's become a goal. They were so passionate about it. They said they were going to quit their jobs here in the United States of America and they were going to move to Korea and they tried to line up jobs. And when the fall came around, just this past fall, September, their jobs still weren't lined up, but they said, you know what? We're so passionate about this. We are going. And so they gathered their family of four. And their last Sunday here, right against this wall, everybody, right on this wall, the prayer team already knowing, because I prepped the prayer team. Anytime we have something really special and powerful going on, I prepped the prayer team. I said, start praying about this all week. We're going to meet this family. We gathered around that family and we prayed, Almighty oh, God, the odds are stacked against this family. Please help them be with them. And we gathered around and they went. They got to Korea. And um, Korea has very strict privacy laws. Elena's birth record had been destroyed. She went to private investigators. They said, we can't help you. 
There's nothing we can do. She went to a police station. So we can't help you. And she walked down the steps of that police station in tears. So she went to another police station. Every door, I could get much more detailed, everybody, but every door closed, it closed, it closed, it closed. And she didn't see any way around this. This just simply was not going to work. They're driving down the street one day, and they pass a restaurant. And the restaurant says they have great cheesesteaks. And they thought, no way. This isn't Philadelphia. There's no great cheesesteaks here. And so they passed it, and they said, ah, for some reason, they said, let's go. So they go back, and they go in, and they order their cheesesteaks, and they strike up a conversation with a random person in a random restaurant eating cheesesteaks. And I'll let Alina pick it up from here. Her name was Elizabeth, an English professor, originally from South Africa. She asked what brought us to Korea, and I shared about the search for my mother and how it had failed. Out of nowhere, she said she had a friend at church of all places that recently helped reconnect a young man with his biological mom and offered to introduce us. There was a familiarity about Elizabeth, a motherly figure that made us feel as if we'd known her for many years. The very next day, I met with her friend. She was a very friendly lady named Manet. She was in her early 60s. I told her the whole story. We both got very emotional. She said she would do her best to help. Now, here's where things get really intriguing. Soon after, I received a voicemail from her with instructions, specific instructions to go to a particular police station and ask for a particular police officer who would take the case. Having my hopes crushed before, I wasn't fully optimistic as I entered the station that day. The officer asked for information that could be used as confirmation, and I wrote my birthday, 7777, four sevens. She asked for my number and said if she needed any more info, she would give me a call, and that day was November the 6th. Now it was a waiting game. We continued to pray for it to happen. I was hoping, hoping to celebrate my first Christmas with my mother, but it was just wishful thinking. My heart jumped every time the phone rang, thinking it might be her. Then, on the morning of November the 19th, I got the call. It was mom. It was totally surreal. I was dreaming. Mom was on the other side of the country about a six-hour drive away. This is the picture on November the 19th. She immediately jumped into a car and was at my place by early evening. We connected like we'd been together the whole time. Those instincts between a mother and a child. She kept addressing me as her baby. God is truly amazing. Everybody ready for this? The first thing out of her mouth was, who do you know? Who do you know? What kind of connection do you have that you were able to find me? I told her I didn't have any, but I met this lady who happened to help me. I later found out that the husband of the lady that helped her served as Secretary of State under the previous Korean president. Every door was shut, but she did have somebody to help her, didn't she? 
She had a dream. She turned it into a goal. She wrote it down. She was that passionate. She was that passionate that she was able to write it down. Passionate people write things down. God wants us to write things down. Some of you have written things down. I want to tell you that bulletin now has become a sacred document. It's become a sacred document between you and God. That God wants to accomplish things in your life. And so I'm going to ask if you'll take your bulletin in your hand and if you would stand with me, please. We're going to have a special prayer over these sacred documents that you've written down. Some of the things that are written down on this paper are things that nobody else knows. Nobody else knows about that thing deep in your heart that sometimes, man or woman, you cry about. Sometimes you shed tears about because they're that important, but you want to see that accomplished. And what you hold in your hand because you wrote it down to God with God's help has now become a sacred document. Some of them involve relationships. Some of them involve family. Some of them involve wounds. Some of them involve uh, your career or your finances or anything, uh, health issues. There's all kinds of stuff that are on these papers. And these have become sacred documents that we're going to pray about this morning. And for some of us, we're going to get to the end of 2016 and we're going to look back and we're going to remember what we wrote down and we're going to remember what God did. One thing before we pray. Two things. That same prayer team that prayed for Elena is going to be against that wall. I've already prepped them. They're ready to pray with you. I suggest that you take advantage of it. Second thing. For some of us, we have never accepted the free gift, the offer of salvation in Jesus Christ. Jesus says that when we accept that gift of Jesus Christ into our hearts, he fills us, check this out, with power. It's the same Greek word that is used for dynamite. That's some serious power. You want to cross this bridge and reach everything that God is calling you to be? Be filled with the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ in your life to fuel you across that bridge. And so I want to do this. I really want to do this. I felt strongly about this. Some of us, today is your day. We're told in the Bible, nobody comes to the realization of Jesus Christ being our Savior as the Holy Spirit draws us. And today is your day. The Holy Spirit is drawing you. So in just a moment, in just a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm going to say amen. And here's what's going to happen. This auditorium is going to empty out. It's going to be like we open the floodgates. It's going to be like the Israelites leaving Egypt and just boom, everybody's going to go running for the door, get the kids or get to the car and get something to eat, right? That's what's going to happen. This place is going to empty. I'm a, very, I'm a big introvert. So this is hard for me to do up here every single week. I'm a huge, I like things really low key. So after everybody's, you know, mostly gone, I'd like for those of you who would like to be, would like to accept Jesus Christ as your savior in a very low key way to join my wife and I right down here. We're not going to make any big show of it. We're just going to gather over here. We want to pray especially for you. And we'd like for you to bring your bulletin because we have something special we want to pray with you. And after we pray, we want the opportunity for you to cross this bridge. This bridge now has a bunch of names on. I know it's hard to see. People have crossed this bridge in the 930 service and they wrote their name on this bridge as an important symbolic gesture that they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and have been filled with the power of His Spirit. So I'm going to pray. We're going to pray about this and we're going to dismiss. I'm going to ask those of you who would like to in just a low-key way come and meet my wife and I right over here, okay? Would you do me a favor because you're filled with so much passion this morning because Joshua says it over and over again, be strong and courageous. Would you like hold this up? 
Heavenly Father, you see these bulletins written up, lifted up before you, God. They are now sacred documents written before you. There's things on these documents, God. People's lives are going to be changed. We are just so thrilled for Alina. We're thrilled, God, for what you did. When every door shut, she had you. She had you, God. She wrote her dream down. It became a goal, and you accomplished it. And God, we know that writing things down is really important. You want us to write the vision. So, Lord, I lift these things up, deep things from our hearts, goals and plans, stuff that, God, you actually want to accomplish in our lives. And, Lord, we ask that everything that you want to do according to your will, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done, and that this room at the end of 2016 would be filled with stories just like Alina about the powerful things that you did because your people wrote them down and believed in you and prayed. Father, we lift them before you, and we thank you, Father, for all the mighty things that you are going to do. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. Prayer team's there. Grace and Five's there. For the rest of you, God bless you and Happy New Year. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.